Please open your Bibles to the 63rd Psalm, and let us worship the Lord with another of David's Psalms. Psalm 63. Obviously, our theme is seeing a vision of God and to behold His beauty in His house. And I hope that you're able to pick up some words here. I'll explain it very briefly when we finish reading it. But our intent here is to worship the Lord with inspired words that He's given us. So let's all rise together in the house of the Lord and read the word of the Lord about the Lord our God. Psalm 63, together. O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. Because Thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise Thee. Thus will I bless Thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in Thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Amen. And amen. Amen. You may be seated. Psalm 63. Though David identifies the Lord Jehovah as his God by profession, in the first six words, O God, thou art my God, notice that he says, Early will I seek thee. It was not enough that he knew of God. It was not enough that he knew God. It was not enough that he professed the Lord Jehovah to be his God. He was still out to seek Him, to see Him, to be closer to Him. Just as Psalm 27 taught us earlier in that fourth verse, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. He wanted more of His God. He identifies His faith in the first verse, in the first six words of that first verse, but then he explains that's not enough. He was going to seek the Lord, and it says He's going to seek Him early. Now, when the Bible doesn't modify itself and tells us, early will I seek thee, if you're young, you can certainly make that early in life. Why waste the years of your strength and not seek the Lord? So early in life we can seek Him. As we approach each day, usually the best time for most men is to seek the Lord and women is in the morning. There are fewer distractions, and it's preparatory for the activities of the rest of the day. So we seek Him early in the day. All of us have so many activities 
that claim our time and our efforts and our energy. And so we ought to seek Him early in relationship to those activities by putting Him first. This is what the, David says about his desire to seek the Lord. He would do it early. Right. Now, he, he describes himself as a thirsty soul and a longing soul in a dry and thirsty land. And what he's thirsting for is thee. As our brother just reminded you, the T pronouns in a King James Bible are always singular in the second person. He's referring to the Lord Jehovah alone. But he says, I'm in a thirsty place. I'm in a place where there is no water. And so are all of we. This nation was once a nation under God. It is not under God in any sense of a Bible sense of being under God. It may have those words in its pledge of allegiance. And it may say, in God we trust, on its coinage. But this nation doesn't trust in God. It trusts in deficit spending, humanistic philosophy, evolutionary education, and all sorts of other isms and errors and heresies contrary to the Word of God. So we're in a thirsty land. When you go out of this place, and if tomorrow night you're watching two little basketball teams try to get the coconut in the basket, there's not going to be any mention of God. There's not going to be any mention of early seeking Him. There's not even going to be a profession of Him. This is an anti-God nation. They don't want His commandments in our places of public education. They don't want prayer being made, though we're thankful for a few rebel communities across the land that will still pray before football games. But brethren, we live in this thirsty land, and David once felt that way, that there was no outside influence to help him in his search of the Lord. So he says, my soul thirsteth for thee, but I'm in a place where there is no water. Nothing is supplied to help me. This is why we come into the house of the Lord. For those of you that work for IBM, they are not going to have an email in your inbox Monday morning about the Lord God Jehovah and His Son Jesus Christ and beholding the beauty of the Lord. BB&T won't do it either, Brother Eric, though you might thank them better than IBM. And your brother's sitting behind you and thinks Michelin's better than BB&T. There's not going to be any reference from those pagan Frenchmen who run Michelin, North America. We live in a dry and thirsty land, so we come into the house of the Lord. Notice the second verse where David tells us he is going to seek the Lord. He says, I'm thirsty, my soul thirsteth for thee. And he's thirsting for a couple aspects in this second verse. I want to see thy power and thy glory. I want to see the power of God, and I want to see the glory of God, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. David is remembering times he's been in the house of the Lord, where he has seen and heard the message of God's prophets, priests, and Levites, explaining to him, reminding him of the great works of God. And these are the things that we remember to get ourselves a vision of the Most High. The two aspects are here that are in this verse are power and glory. Now, what do you think is powerful in this world? Wherever you have set your affection on something powerful, you know, in the last couple of days, I was able to read about the Louisiana State Powerlifting Championships for their high schools. 
And a little part of me rejoiced that finally some state athletic departments are picking some real sports that don't involve the luck of a ball, like powerlifting. See, there's no ball to hide behind when you take 350 pounds off the rack. It's either going to crush your chest or you're going to crush it. But where's your power? Is it is it in the University of Connecticut? Please, can we do better? Where is your power? Is it in the United States of America? They're impotent in a great degree and bankrupt. God save us. That's why we pray for our nation. Where's your power? There's no power like the power of God. Where's your glory? What do you think is glorious in appearance? There's no glory like our God is glorious. To see thy power and thy glory. Now David was a king and he had the military at his personal disposal. He had power and he had glory. But this David did not take any confidence in his power or his glory. He wanted the power and glory of his God. And he says, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've seen you in your place of worship. I want to see you more. I want to see more of you. I want to see you again because I'm in a dry and thirsty place. I want you to remember that David spent much of his life in the wilderness of Judea hiding from King Saul or among the Philistines where he lived for part of his life waiting for the throne of Israel, hiding again from his arch enemy Saul. And so he wants to be back in the house of the Lord with the people of God and to have a vision of God. Now notice what he says in the third verse. It's the next aspect that he mentions of the Lord. This is the beauty of the Lord. His power is beautiful. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And there was no sun. And he wasn't using a flashlight. Let there be light. And there was light. His power and his glory. You saw his glory in Isaiah 6 that you read last evening. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Here's a third aspect of a vision of God, and it's his loving kindness. Now, David had troubles in his life. David had enemies in his life. David was a man of war and had to fight most of his life for brief respites of peace in between battles. But he still says, the loving kindness of the Lord. Some of you know the text well. That David, in his final days of life, as he was encouraging all the princes of Israel to support Solomon, his son, he said, of all the tribes of Israel, and there were 13, how many tribes of Israel were there? There were 13. Because the tribe of Levi was pulled out and Joseph's two sons were stuck in so that there were twelve and the priestly tribe. That's not important except for this. David said of all the tribes of Israel, God chose Judah. Right. So that narrowed it down to one-thirteenth, Judah. Of all the families of Judah, God chose my father's house, Jesse of Bethlehem. Of all my father's sons, He liked me. Those are the words of your King James Bible. He liked me. He's an old man. He's got oxygen in his nose. And he's installing his son on the throne of Israel. 
And he says, the nation was taken down to Judah, to Jesse in Bethlehem. And of the eight sons of Jesse, he liked me. He knew the loving kindness of the Lord. Amen. He says, because thy loving kindness is better than life. Is God's loving kindness that to you? Better than life. If it's better than life, what in your life is more important than his loving kindness? There shouldn't be anything more important. And because of that, my lips shall praise thee. Notice what the effect of a vision of God is. It satisfies David to see his power and his glory. But it also causes him to praise the Lord because of his loving kindness. And that's what's mentioned in verse 3. And so David says, thus will I bless thee while I live. I'm going to praise you as long as I live. I'm going to lift up my hands in thy name in the fourth verse. Let's jump to the fifth verse. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. That's the richest part of a, of a cut of beef. Is the marrow that's in the center of the bones and the fatness that should marble the meat. The more, the more money that you are willing to pay for a cut of beef, the better the marrow and the more marbling that there is in the meat. These are stall-fed oxen, as the Bible would say, or the fatted calf, as the Bible would say. Marbled lean, marbled veal when you have a fatted calf. You know, our nation wants everything to be leaner, but it's fat that gives it taste. And the juices and the gravy and the, and the, the pleasure of eating. And David is saying, my soul shall be satisfied as if I was having a great steak dinner that involved marrow and fatness, very well marbled meat. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Something has a hold of him and is moving him to full satisfaction with his life and to wanting to praise God. And we're told what it is in the sixth verse. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the watches. Verse 5 is the result of verse 6. My soul gets satisfied when in my bed, when there's no distractions, no emails, no phone calls, no cell phones, no people, no handlers, no anyone bothering me. When I remember thee in my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, My soul is satisfied like it had a great meal of marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. This is another vision of God. Do you see in this psalm, he wanted to see his power and his glory. Then it was his loving kindness. And now it's remembering God and all the things he knows about the Lord while he's in bed. Then in verse 7, because thou hast been my help, God had delivered him from his enemies. And it helped him in times of trouble when he had made vows that, Lord, if you'll get me out of this mess, I'll worship you and sacrifice to you in Jerusalem. Because you've been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. So it's deliverance, power, glory, loving kindness, remembering his works and meditating on them. And now it's deliverance. And then he says, my soul followeth hard after thee. Who in here is like David this morning? My soul followeth hard after thee. No, no matter that it might take a little time. No matter that it might take a little effort. No matter that the Lord might withdraw himself a little bit. My soul followeth hard after thee. Isn't this the man after God's own heart? I thought that God was right there at his right hand all the time. All the time. 
Surely there's something wrong with me if the Lord leaves me for a little while. No, that's not the case. David is saying, my soul followeth hard after thee. Chasing the Lord down like the woman in the Song of Solomon, when she got up in the night and her beloved had left, he had stuck his hand in by the door, she had heard the door, her bowels were moved, she was excited to make love to her husband that was coming home, and then he withdrew. And she got up, threw some clothes on, ran out in the streets looking for him whom her soul delighted in. She was following hard after her husband, as we should, the Lord. And while we're doing that, thy right hand upholdeth me. When you're pursuing the Lord, who has withdrawn himself for a little while, the Lord will uphold you in that pursuit. And then he describes in verses 9 and 10 that his enemies that have kept him from the house of the Lord and distracted him from his main pursuit in life, they're all going to be cut down by the Lord and be a portion for foxes. But in verse 11, he says, in contrast to them, but the king, speaking of himself, shall rejoice in God. My joy is going to be in my God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. You know, there's another, there's another remaining influence in our nation of the men who started our nation that feared God. We put our left hands on a Bible, we hold our right hands up, and I say, so help me God. That is swearing by God. Men who swear by God and who mean it and who understand it are worshiping God. And so David's referring to them in that middle clause, everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. When we have a vision of God, like David did, and we rejoice in God, like David is describing here, it brings glory to our lives. When we get all wrapped up in chasing down a few FRNs, meaning Federal Reserve notes, meaning money, when we get all wrapped up in chasing down the things of this world, the glory leaves us. We're like Ichabod. The glory's departed. But when we make the Lord our joy, and everyone that swears by Him glories, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. All the evolutionary, humanistic lies that are taught in this country, especially in our universities, but in all of our educational systems, system, so wrong. They shall be stopped. Because the Lord will appear with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and we shall be with him forever. Brethren, this is Psalm 63. Are you seeking the Lord early? Are you looking for his power and his glory in the sanctuary? Are you thankful for his loving kindness? Are you going to lift your hands up to him and praise him all the days of your life? Do you remember him in your bed? Do you meditate on him in your night watches? Or are you fantasizing about sin? Or are you worrying about what you're going to do the next day? Glory in the Lord and let Him take care of your next day. Right. If the Lord breathes and blows upon you, He's going to bless you in ways you can't accomplish yourself. But if you think that by worrying about it in your bed, or thinking about it, or planning it, you're going to help yourself, He'll blow against you, and you will not make the progress you could, is your soul following hard after the Lord. He'll uphold you with His right hand while you're doing that. May the Lord bless Psalm 63 to us, that we would pursue a vision of God in a dry and thirsty land. Amen.